practicing and have an opportunity now for a new life, given what they just went through. It's like, wow, unbelievable, unbelievable. We finally got a victory. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. We finally got a victory. So, you know, shout out to you guys, man. I'm really, really happy for you. Um, we're going to be back with our our guest, Dr. Norman Clements. With You are within the norms. Uh, our local pharmacist and dentist here in Tampa, Florida, uh, who is talking with us about the victory that we've just seen take place in Alabama and in Detroit. Uh, thank you so much, folks, for joining us here on the Sunday Forum and on the Facebook page. Thank you so much for joining us, okay? Uh, continue to join us. Share, like, and call in. We want to hear from you today on the Sunday Forum. This is a very, very important issue that we're talking about right here, dealing with the issue of the health desert and the justice and injustices surrounding Live from NPR News, I'm Giles Snyder. The House Select Committee investigating the January 6th insurrection will resume hearings later this month. NPR's Windsor Johnson reports on the chairman's appeal for information after the panel heard testimony from a top aide to former White House Chief of Staff Mark Meadows. Cassidy Hutchinson provided graphic details about then-President Donald Trump's state of mind on the day of the attack. At the conclusion of her testimony, committee chairman Benny Thompson encouraged more witnesses to come forward. If you've heard this testimony today and suddenly you remember things you couldn't previously recall, our doors remain open. The committee has issued a subpoena to former White House counsel Pat Cipollone to testify. Lawmakers on the panel have said that Cipollone repeatedly raised legal and other concerns about Trump's activities on January 6th and in the days that preceded. Windsor Johnston, NPR News, Washington. Cipollone has spoken informally with the January 6th panel. He was subpoenaed last Wednesday, but as yet there is no agreement for his on-the-record testimony. A tropical storm that formed early Saturday just off South Carolina has been downgraded to a tropical depression. Jay Price of member station WUNC reports. Colin appears to be mainly a problem for the crowds of holiday weekend beachgoers who want to get in the water but are facing chaotic surf and the threat of dangerous rip currents. Scott Kennedy is a meteorologist with the National Weather Service's Newport-Moorhead City office on the central coast of the state. Be careful if you're in the water. Swim near lifeguards. If the red flags are flying, it's best if you don't go in the water. Kennedy says the storm's winds are mainly a problem offshore. It's expected to move off the coast and head out to sea around midday Sunday. For NPR News, I'm Jay Price in Durham, North Carolina. A Florida doctor has been removed from a state-appointed Children's Health Board for voicing concerns about COVID-19 vaccine access for infants and toddlers. Stephanie Colombini from the the member station WUSF reports Dr. Lisa Gwynn was notified about her dismissal through an email last week from Chief Financial Officer Jimmy Petronas. The email cited political statements Gwynn made that the CFO disagreed with. Gwynn is president of Florida's American Academy of Pediatrics chapter. She had publicly criticized the state's decision to not make COVID vaccines for kids younger than five available at county health departments. She says many pediatricians in small practices or rural areas rely on health departments to get their supplies. And then also many kids that don't have a medical home or who are uninsured, they would receive their COVID vaccines there at the local health departments. So, you know, we were concerned. CFO Petronas says he supports the state's coronavirus response. And you're listening to NPR News. Russia's defense minister says Russian forces have taken control of the last major Ukrainian-held city in the country's Luhansk province. The defense ministry says Sergei Shogoy informed President Putin today that the Russian military and its separatist allies have gained full control over the city of Lushashansk. If confirmed, it would move Russia closer to full control over Ukraine's Donbass region where Russian-backed separatists have been fighting Kiev since 2014. Two leading European politicians are warning British Prime Minister Boris Johnson there is neither a legal nor a political justification for newly proposed legislation that aims to supersede elements of his own Brexit deal, as Villa March reports. The German and Irish foreign ministers have written a joint op-ed for British newspaper The Observer, in which they condemn the UK for, quote, unilaterally breaking an international agreement with the European Union. 
The two ministers, Annalena Baerbock and Simon Coveney, say efforts by Johnson's government to, in effect, override the Northern Ireland Protocol, an element of the deal, could undermine the, quote, rules-based international order at a time when Europe and Britain should be cooperating against Russia. The UK had not acted in good faith, they wrote, and the newly proposed legislation, which dozens of Johnson's own Conservatives have refused to support, will create, quote, a new set of uncertainties in Northern Ireland. NPR News, I'm Willem Marks in London. The Uvalde School District's police chief is stepping down from his position on the city council amid criticism of his response to the elementary school shooting. Peter Rizondo says it's a best decision for Uvalde. He'd been elected to city council a few weeks before the mass shooting in late May. I'm Giles Snyder, NPR News. Support for NPR comes from NPR stations. Other contributors include Indeed, designed to be an end-to-end hiring solution for businesses of any size to attract, interview, and hire candidates all from one place. More at Indeed.com slash NPR. The following is an editorial statement from the Nathan B. Stubblefield Foundation Board of Directors. WMNF supports a woman's right to have access to safe and legal abortion. The recent Supreme Court decision to overturn Roe v. Wade strips women of their full citizenship and the fundamental right to bodily autonomy. A large majority of Americans support Roe v. Wade and the underlying right to privacy. For the Supreme Court to ignore over a half century of legal precedent and defy the will of the American people is devastating to our democracy and to the millions of women and families who will be directly impacted by this radical ruling. Here in Florida, a bill banning abortions after only 15 weeks and making no exception in cases of incest or rape will go into effect on July 1st. We share the fear, heartache, and anger many of you feel right now, but this is the time to turn that anger into action. We encourage our listeners to get involved, to register and vote in every upcoming election and to support the organizations working to protect the family planning and privacy rights of every United States citizen. To join with those organizations, go to WMNF.org forward slash row, R-O-E. Hi, I'm Jennifer McTritus, chair of the Diversity and Inclusion Committee. Tune in to 88.5 FM and WMNF.org to hear interviews with our volunteer programmers, music you won't hear anywhere else, and informative news. Our Diversity and Inclusion Committee is excited to connect with organizations and individuals that support our local area. Thank you for keeping our community strong, and we want to help you make a difference. Let's do this together by emailing diversity at WMNF.org. Hey, this is D-Rod the Poet from Poetry Is, Sundays at 8 p.m. on WMNF. Check out our community's next Poet of the Month. 15 miles of Wish You Were Here, First Gateway to Tampa, Sweet Times on the River, and a Plunge in Sulphur Springs. Nebraska Avenue, Glory of the Twenties. But Tim Canturis left before we were born. The high flume ride was scrapped for alpine liquors. The fancy arcade made way for a dog track. That was Gianna Russo, July's Poet of the Month. Hear the whole poem, learn more about the artist and how WMNF supports its local art community at WMNF.org. Hey, this is DJ Sam Flo, and I invite you to join me in the New World Beer Garden at New World Brewery. These two-hour events began at 6.30 on both days. So again, come join us on July 13th and 20th at New World Brewery, located at 810 East Skagway Avenue in the area of Bush in Nebraska and Tampa. Come throw your hands in the air and wave around like you just don't care. This is WMNF Tampa 88.5 FM, Community Conscious Radio. And we are taking your telephone calls here on the Sunday Forum. My name is Patrick Mobili sitting in with your host, Walter L. Smith II. We are we were talking about the federal case, the uh, Supreme Court ruling exonerating the doctors who were convicted, almost convicted, who were convicted of uh, running a pill mill. So we continue to talk about that victory there and 
other issues. We're also talking about many other issues that are happening in your world today here on the Sunday Forum. And we're getting back to the telephone line. Walter. All right, all right, all right, all right. We're back. I'm Billy. You do? Uh-huh. I got it. I got a song in my heart. Okay. <laughs> what, what, what song do you think I have in my heart? Hmm. Uh, that's a hard one. <laughs> you Here's go back one. so many decades. Don't I? <laughs> Don't I? You know, a, a song comes to mind that uh, that hits me is like, I can't go for that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and I, but this one right here, I I, I want to do this one because uh, you know it was, it was done by our beloved Hall of Notes originally, yeah. right? As everybody knows. But this one in particular, you know, um, um, is uh, is one that was done by CeeLo Green, right? And it was done in the in the basement, I think, or the garage. Of uh, Daryl Hall's uh, Daryl Hall's house, actually, right? And so I just have this song in my heart that I really want to play today on the Sunday Forum. And I hope that everybody will enjoy it. It's CeeLo Green and Daryl Hall right here on the Sunday Forum. I can't go for that. Ready? Yes, sir. Let's do it. Go for that. I can't go for that right here on the Sunday Forum, folks. Can't go for that now.
<laughs> hey, man, listen, we can't go for that. Not here on the Sunday Forum. <laughs> listen, let me tell you, I am I am so happy, so happy about this, this win. We've had wins all week, man. <laughs> right? Some something some wet of wins. I mean, emancipation. This this season. emancipation season. Yeah, <laughs> right here on the Sunday Forum. Shout Columbia. out to the Virgin Islands, U.S. Virgin Islands. Shout out to the Virgin Islands, <laughs> but Colombia, man. Oh yeah, Colombia, Colombia. <laughs> what is going on, baby? They got What's a new on? president that's gonna push it to the left, oh, as God. they say. He, he oh, pushed it all right to the left. <laughs> yeah, this uh, new president, Gustavo Petro. Yes. And uh, I think after last Sunday they won, and um, his vice president, Francia Marquez. She's yeah. an environmental activist and the first black vice president yes. in <laughs> Colombia. Yes. Yeah. Yes. She says she's going to stand up for the nobodies of society. Yo, listen, man. Francia Marquez. Yep. Francia Marquez. Remember that name. <laughs> Francia Marquez. Remember that name. Mm-hmm. You understand me? They Something say, good is about to happen. Yeah. Listen, Colombia, they say that's a nation where Afro Colombians are regularly subjected to racism mm. and must contend with structural barriers. But because she comes from poverty in a country where economic class so often defines a person's place in society, she's going to be great. Most recent former presidents were educated abroad. And are connected to the country's powerful families and kingmakers, but not her. She's one of us. And she's, she's young. From the people. That's right. Very young. How, how old is I she? I think she's in her 40s. Yeah, she's Man. only 40, actually. Beautiful, beautiful young lady. Beautiful young lady. Um, outstanding opportunity here in the country of Colombia. Um, Viva yeah. Colombia. You know, I'm, I'm so happy for them and the strides that they have taken. Now for liberation, uh, yeah. we, we we expect to see some big things. So let's stand in support of uh, Colombia and uh, in solidarity with with their movements that are coming up now. As long as they're just movements, as long yeah. as just movements. Hey, listen, uh, welcome back to the Sunday morning, the, the Sunday Forum. And let's see, we have some some people that have uh, written in. Norman Orkin says, looking forward to reparations for all the victims of the corruption. You hear me? Yeah. For all the victims of the corruption that has been going on, this is, you know, this is big stuff. Everything's uh, going to flow through the courts. I'm trying so. to tell you. I'm trying to tell you. Hey, listen, we want to thank you for joining us again, and we want to uh, I want to say th- thank you and good morning to uh, Dr. Norman Clemens. Norman, Dr. Dr. Clemens. Yeah, I'm still here. All right, all right. I, we, I think we got... We, we have Daryl on the line. Daryl? Yes. Hey, man, what's going okay. on? Okay. Hey, how you doing? Hey, um, Mabili. Good morning. Uh, well, first, let me let me say this, and so I can get off the air. I know you probably got a lot of callers. Let's start at the uh, the beginning. Um, wow, if I can remember. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I can't go it's for okay, that. Girl. It's okay, I understand. Yeah, but um, no, nah, I'll just go to this. Um, with this ruling, will it? Also, I look at this before we begin to really just celebrate like this. Isn't this kind of like getting the family who created uh, oxycodone off the hook and the corporation for people who uh, got addicted to that and some people who died, like former conservative talk show host Rush Limbaugh, who illegally obtained oxycodone, you know, which is a, a, a painkiller. Um, isn't that kind of letting people like that off the hook who really should have been brought before justice because of that? They don't you know. No. But go, but go, go ahead, Doc. Go ahead. There's, there's a gentleman online, I think his name is Felix, he could better answer that for me. But I'll tell you this. Uh, and I want you to understand me. These people should have never been on the hook. You know, first of all, addiction is a disease state that needs to be treated. And what we're looking at, and there's, there's several things that are, that, that, let me explain to you like this, that when we talk about, when we talk about fentanyl, all right, fentanyl 
in terms the street fentanyl is something that is made as illicit as no medical use at all. And in fact, you don't even know whether it's fentanyl or not. These are things that are produced by cartel, by the cartels. And versus a medical use of the, of the medication fentanyl, these are pharmaceutical grade fentanyl and they're what we call transdermal. In other words, you, the way we take fentanyl, the way fentanyl is given is either through a patch, is either given under the nasally or it's given under the under the tongue and so when people uh like you're talking about in these those cases and what you talk about people talk about fentanyl people are dying from fentanyl that's the illicit stuff that's being made up by the cartel and there are almost 200 different derivatives of this so-called uh fentanyl is out here today and that that is Stuff that is imported and generally imported into this country from places like uh, Mexico, uh, China, and those places like that. And uh, that the DEA has failed to stop that type of distribution because remember, these are cartels. And these guys show up with AR 15s and M 16s and everything else that they combine. So it's a lot easier to raid a doctor's office than call a doctor's office uh, a, a pill mill. And you can raid that air conditioner office, uh, get your, your story in the morning news, and just still be home for dinner. You go after these, these cartels, that's a, different, that's a different story. That is one thing that's had the failure of our government to stop these things, stop these illicit products, and most importantly, the fact that they're they're in bed with these uh, these 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 people mm. who produce the, the the opium. If you look at the report called the Cigars Report, S I G A R stands for the Special Inspector General for Afghan Reconstruction, John Sopko. This is a report made by the uh, the Special Inspector General of the United States of America, who say, "Can you see by the dawn early light?" And when the and they found that when the United States was in in first of all the DEA lost eight point six billion dollars in which it was used to stop the opioid trade. In fact, much of that money went to support the the opium bill, the the, the poppy growers who were converting that to heroin. We went from when the United States got to Afghanistan, it was seven point eight thousand hectares. Of poppy production, it, poppies in production. When they left 20 years, years later, the United States of America had created 328,000 hectares of opium, uh, of, of poppy production in Afghanistan. And they protected the poppy fields. And they gave Afghan, the Afghan government $147 billion, billion dollars to hide drug dealers, drug cartel mm-hmm. dealers that were bringing that stuff from here, from 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 Afghan into Europe and into the United States. So okay. no, 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 you know what? And they lost the, them. As there's a the, patch. The fentanyl that is being used uh, is it just a patch, which would be proper, but. The, the cartels bring in is the dangerous powdery form and is usually is made in China, but it's usually the Mexican cartels that smuggle it into the United States. And you're saying that this number one, this government can't fight Mexican cartels. Exactly. They have allowed this stuff in here. And in fact, anytime you hear fentanyl power, fentanyl is not given orally as a tablet. It's not at all, okay? The stuff that you've seen, that, when they talk about fentanyl, first of all, they don't even know what it is, all right? It is some derivative of fentanyl, but it's brought here, it's illicit, and it's brought here brought here through the cartels, and it comes through Oklahoma. Mm. Uh, I think it's from India, initially. Look at, our, look at you are within the norm. There's an article we wrote for your doctor is not, a doctor or pharmacist is not the cause of the opioid crisis, look at the Oklahoma trial that they had, the Oklahoma uh, fake farmer trial, and there's a guy named uh, Bruce Bigley, 
that talks about this and how this distribution takes place. And this report that he reads from <laughs> comes from the United States Drug Policy Office out of the White House. That to take some more calls. We got another caller that was waiting for over an hour. Go ahead, caller. Caller? Caller, can you hear us? You're on the air. I guess they got tired of waiting. Yep, yep. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> What's up, brother? What's up, brother? Uhuru. Uhuru. Uhuru, bro. What's going on, brother? Africans? All right, check it. Uh, I'm going to try to be quick as I can. Uh, so one thing I want to clear up, the African People's Socialist Party is not a pan-Africanist movement. We don't have no pan-Africanist flag. We have, we are African internationalists and the flag, the rural house, uh, that faced the attack from, uh, you know, some colonizer yesterday, uh, you know, should be understood in that context as, you know, we're African internationalists. And I just wanted to correct that for my brother Mabili. Uh, and Chairman of Mali, who founded the African People's Socialist Party 50 years ago, uh, would, would make, would make the same point. So, uh, we, we are, we are African internationalists, not pan Africanists. And there wasn't a time. But I, I wanted to say, I really appreciate the show. Um, I, I, again, uh, I've spoken over and over again on this, on this show, you know, Sunday Forum, like me for over 20 years. And, uh, I've always done the best I could to point out that the struggle we face is, you know, it's against colonialism and uh, the colonial mode of production, even in the context of this thing with these doctors who the colonial government uh, vilified, criminalized, uh, stripped of their profession, license, uh, freedom, etc., is all a part of the colonial mode of production. And we have to always focus on how we can attack break down, uh, topple the colonial mode of production so that it does not affect these doctors, does not affect uh, people who have these environmental, what, what uh, I think Walt talks about, I can't remember how Walt phrases it, but the environmental struggles, the food deserts, and what have you, it's all a part of the colonial mode of production, just attacking one piece and one part at a time, even though we do get small victories like the one we're talking about in this particular show today, uh, we, we have to always focus on top of the, the, the whole thing. And in, in that vein, I want to say that there's another victory we should celebrate. It's, it's more local. It's the victory to the Arthur Green uh, Jr. family. Uh, Lena Young Green, Kurt Young, Owen Young, Kareem Young, and Arthur Green III. All of them, uh, uh, I, I hope, can somehow uh, rest a little bit better knowing that they... That, that the city settled finally after seven or after eight years. Uh, the, the city of Tampa in the form of the Tampa police under the leadership of Jane Bull, Connor Castor, uh, Jane Coverup Castor, whatever you want to call her. Some people call her mayor. Um, but she, uh, under the leadership of Jane Bull, Connor Castor, the police killed Arthur Green Jr. on, on uh, Central Avenue. And now eight years later, they just settled the case uh, with the family, so the family doesn't have to go through that illegal process anymore. But that's not enough for the family. And I, you know, Dane Castor, the police, nobody ever apologized to the, the uh, young Green family for killing Art Green. Art, Art was sick. You know, we're talking about medical stuff. You know, medical. Arthur Green Jr. was sick. All he needed was some help, but the police gave him handcuffs and a chokehold and killed him, just like the people did George Floyd in Minnesota. And so I just want to celebrate them and that victory right uh, there in Tampa in, in, in our own hometown and I want to encourage people to continue to struggle against the colonial mode of production colonialism and capitalism in every way and every um, in every shape form of fashion one, oh, oh yeah the other thing I want to say before we go before I go is uh, uh, this Walt I think it was it was either obviously either Walt or Mobilia but I think it was you Walt who mentioned these various nations mentioned how, uh, I think you called it World War One, but the chairman astutely has characterized the so-called World Wars as um, the imperialist uh, war uh, for control of the world. You know, it, it, it wasn't a world war. Africa wasn't involved in the, in the war. You know, it wasn't a world war. It was, uh, you know, it was a war, an imperialist war for control of the world. And so 
you saw it in World War One, right after the uh, the Berlin Conference, which caused up Africa in 1884 and 85 for the purpose of the colonizer. You, you saw these what uh, some people now call nations, but there's only one nation of African people. It's the African nation. We are not defined by the colonial borders imposed on us as a consequence of the Berlin Conference, which, by the way, had no Africans present. <laughs> you know, uh, it was just uh, all the white people sitting around carving up Africa so that they could figure out how to do it yeah, no. so-called peacefully, you understand? And so... Yeah, um, we yeah. mm. Say again, brother? I, I, I understand what, you know, your, your concerns here, but... Uh, well, let me let me just let me just finish what I'm saying because I'm gonna jump off. Let me, let me just let me just finish what I'm saying. Uh, go ahead. Mm-hmm. Go ahead, go ahead, brother. Let me, just, let, let me just finish what I'm saying. I'm gonna jump off because I have the rest of the show, and I just want to just it, there were several things here. Like you know, my duly astutely pointed out, I've been waiting for over hours because a lot of stuff said, and I just wanted to you know say something about those things. You know, we are not many nations. We weren't Nigeria before Francis Shaw came around and said so. We weren't Cameroonians before the Portuguese showed up and saw shrimp on the coast. And, and, and you know, you know, Cameroon is the French word for shrimp, Cameroonians or something, and now we little shrimp because the white people said so. No, we've always been Africans, and we are one nation, one Africa, one nation, and we have to unite that way, fight that way, and overturn colonial mode of production and end all of these little problems that emerge from uh, that, that big fundamental Contradiction. All right, thank you so much for letting me share. And I appreciate uh, I appreciate the time. I really do. All right, brother Africa, you got it, man. All right, yeah. brother. Africa. Hey, it would, be, it would be nice to see a United States of Africa because it, it that would, would reverse. Well, you know, the, the colonial AU, rule. Yeah, the AU is working on that. Mm-hmm. The African Union is working on that. Um, I hate to see the them fire Eric uh, uh, Eric quote who was the ambassador that was talking about the, that, that whole thing and really holding people accountable for that. Um, but, but you know, uh, so, hey, this is emancipation celebration, right? Yeah. <laughs> right? Right, and we got The birth of Patrice Lumumba. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. The emancipation of, of, of these brothers here, these, these are brothers that were doctors, lawyers, doctors and, 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 and pharmacists and dentists and so forth. Hey, emancipation. <laughs> Emancipation, right. yes, absolutely. Let's let's get a on to new it. way for Colombia. This is just all hey going man, on. we got it all going on. Brother. <laughs> all let's right, you're listening to the Sunday Forum with Walter L. Smith II here on eighty-eight point five FM. We got a few more minutes to go. Go ahead, caller. Let's, let's get it. You're on the Sunday Forum. Oh, good morning, Chris Steiner here. And um, you know, the poor communities are more prone to substance abuse and independence in the age of uh, COVID and the pandemic, if you do a search, a web search for COVID, mental health, substance abuse, anxiety, depression, you'll find that uh, according to government statistics, it's about overall three times higher. And um, this is really covered really well in the last edition of The High Wire with Del Bigtree at thehighwire.com. And, uh, you know, they say rather than ruining the economy and, and mental health along with it, in the Great Barrington Declaration, that's gbdeclaration.org, <clears throat> they call for focused protection of the weak, of the frail. And it's signed by, this, the Great Barrington Declaration is signed by almost 16,000 medical and public health scientists currently, over 47,000 medical practitioners are around the world. And uh, it says, quote, as immunity builds in the population, the risk of infection to all, including the vulnerable, falls. We know that all populations will eventually reach herd immunity, end quote. And so they're saying that the healthy should continue to be allowed to work, uh, go to school, participate in sports, other extracurricular activities. But then a few days after it came out, then uh, you find um, National Institutes of Health Director Francis Collins. He wrote an email to uh, Anthony Fauci, and uh, he says, quote, this proposal from the three fringe epidemiologists who met with the secretary, that's the secretary of HHS, seems to be getting a lot of attention. And even a co-signature from Nobel Prize winner Mike Levitt at Stanford, there needs to be a quick and devastating published takedown of its premises. 
I don't see anything like that online yet. Is it underway? Question mark. He asks and end quote. So, and uh, you know, he's referring to these three so-called fringe epidemiologists, uh, the ones who started the Great Barrington Declaration: Dr. Jay Bhattacharya, Stanford professor; Dr. Sunetra Gupta, Oxford professor. And Dr. Martin Koldorf, who's a Harvard professor, they're not fringe, and uh, he's calling for in the media uh, uh, speaking well, out. I think that argument, this whole dissertation that Dr. Steiner presses, is absolutely leverage and lacks foundation as to what we're talking to. What what is just here? It is clear, and if you look at the the epidemiology, look at the uh, study done by HHS White Oak, you see that the narcotic uh, Increase the increase in heroin abuse takes primarily in the white population. That has increased quite a bit of percentages. But I think what we see though is a enforcement difference in in in, in the population. In other words, uh, in in this, unfortunately, we've got on this black white thing. We're talking about doctors, but I can articulate on this in that whites are treated in terms, their problem is treated in terms of addiction and is treated where there's a different set of enforcement within uh, the, the, in the, in the people of color community, such as Hispanic, such as, as Blacks. And we see this in a study called uh, White Opioid. The, the, uh, the, the, it's by HHS, by Helene, I believe her name is Helena uh, White. I've got pulled it up just right here. Anyway, what it shows is that the differences is in enforcement, whereas uh, people in this in this country who are predominantly white will get treatment. People who are who are brown, Hispanic, and whatever uh, Asian and and that class generally will get enforcement of jail sentences. I think that this Mister Steiner brings out a out a point, but his point sits upon a foundation of rubbish. Because at the same time, we look at Kalatni then says, and uh, this is what Kalatni says in, in this group. He comes in and he says that, well, you know, the problem is, is that because there's discrimination within prescribing patterns, that black folks indeed are lucky because they don't get as much opioid or narcotic analgesic medications prescribed to them as black, even though they do have the same amount of pain. That came out in 2016, 2018. That's an article that appears in the Wall in the New York Times. Okay, the significance of that is as soon as they found that that a group of doctors of color were working on this thing, all of a sudden, oh, we got to tell problems in the black community, but drug overdose and overdose, over and listen to that is a key phrase too. Overdose, overdose means all that simply saying that a person takes a drug, a, a prescription drug, uh, beyond its therapeutic dose. And there's another misnomer, too. How does one overdose on heroin? How does one overdose on fentanyl, free fentanyl, when these products aren't for medical use? What overdose means is it's beyond the therapeutic dose. Yeah. Heroin and fentanyl mm-hmm. have no therapeutic dose. Right. These are poisons. They, that's true. That's right. And you know what I also want to say, Doc, is that uh, the Barringer Declaration that Steiner referred to uh, was a declaration against, number one, lockdown policies for COVID, but also demanding focused protection, which is stupid because you, they're healthy people and children who need protection. Mm-hmm. So you want to protect everybody in this argument just to focus on just uh, vulnerable groups. You know, it's nothing wrong with doing that. We do that with influenza. Sure. But in a pandemic, everybody needs protection. This was it. I let the other guy go on, but I should have said something about, you know, I, but anyway. It, it, you do well, Doc. How we get on <laughs> in, 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 this, in this area. There's a lot of things that are being being told to the public that we are drinking the Kool-Aid on. Mm-hmm. We're drinking the Kool-Aid on this word opioid. Let's talk about, when we talk about opioids, uh, well, you ask, ask, ask the question, what opioids are you talking about? Are you talking about hydrocodone, oxycodone, oxymorphone, 
uh, uh, methadone, which one, are we, uh, which, which each medicinal medication has a different mechanism mm-hmm. of, and while they all are what we call mute receptors, they have a different uh, uh, metabolism and a different uh, 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 rate in which they affect the receptor site in, in terms of uh, longevity of time. That right. is the biggest misconception. And what the court suggested, uh, what the court just did is said, you have to, the government has to make its case. It has to prove its case. It right. just can't prosecute people based on this, this emotional feeling that, okay, you're selling opioids, you're doing opioids, you're dealing in opioids, but right. Right. you don't want to take treatment, legitimate treatment away from patients. Right. Exactly. exactly. That's what the court is saying here. Right. So let, let's let's go on to our other calls. We got some yeah. more callers, folks. Go ahead, call it. You're on the Sunday forum. Yeah, first of all, thank you so much. The first time I called, I described myself as old white man. You might remember me. <laughs> I want to um, make clear that I followed through on the promise I made to you. I called the lady at your station, Fran, I believe is her name, and had her also network it with Sean Canan and I said that this type of show that you're doing that there used to be a lot more of on WMNF which they have replaced with canned shows such as Richard Wolf and other shows which are fine yeah I love Richard Wolf go ahead they're fine in and of themselves but with all the pain and fear in the Florida community right now due to Governor DeSatan to take away <laughs> the talk shows off of our programming schedule at MNF, I said to her, and please pass it on to Canan, that it's just not right. So that's my first uh, topic. The second topic is, is that people need to wrap their heads around the fact that America is not exceptional in the sense that other countries, um, for example, Mussolini in Italy, Hitler in Germany, Many African republics, uh, Hungary, etc., have had an armed, an armed minority of thugs, mm-hmm. uh, you know, followers of autocrats like Trump, Orban, Mussolini, Hitler, mm-hmm. who started out small and used threats and firearms, intimidation, staged incidents, holding the government hostage. Hitler wrote the playbook for this. The book, The Rise and Fall of the Third Reich, is eerily similar to what we're seeing now. And we're way past the time when voting or praying or wishing or writing letters to Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez or anybody else is going to change this country. We have an armed insurgency inside the country, inside the Congress, inside the halls of power, inside the Supreme Court, has taken over the Supreme Court. And unless we realize that there is a civil war going on right now, and that the Trump cult and the the right-wing so-called fake Christian theocrats are winning big, and unless we start fighting, as Malcolm X said, by any means necessary, all of us, white, black, brown, yellow, green, whatever, if you're progressive or even just a classical liberal, you are going to become roadkill unless you start fighting back by any means necessary and that's all I'm going to say you know I do understand the brother's concerns about what's happening now but he's wrong again about Hitler started this if we were to really want to go back we can go back as far as way back in the terms of, of Christopher Columbus <laughs> well, we said that we said that earlier today. Yeah, that's right. I understand that. I mean, I've been taught. Also, we can go back to the invasion of the British imposition of opium into China, and that has its own ramifications, which we suffer today. You know, again, we know we. I appreciate the brothers calling in about uh, you know liberation and other brother call. Oh, I've got Steiner here, but Doc, we were talking about. What was happening in terms of the quote unquote dispelling the so-called opioid crisis there, and how legitimate medications that are prescribed to people, uh, deprived the individual for the treatment of pain and particularly chronic intractable pain, is not getting in the doctors, such as Felix Musella, such as Dr. Herbert, who I believe is on the line, are being punished 
for prescribing these sort of type of medications to 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 patients who are suffering, particularly from sickle cell disease, oh, that's the worst. which which is an intractable pain disease, and the people who have suffered from this particular type of disease are being are being criminalized. Right. Yeah, but the uh, through line that I think the last caller was trying to make is that these issues are exploitable by those who don't have every group's best interest at heart. And, you know, there's some there's some uh, danger in all of that. We don't take the playbook. Maybe it wasn't written by Hitler, but definitely the Nazis. <laughs> and we've seen them study that era in this country. And it looks like they are trying to repeat a lot of what yeah, yeah. had gone of course on. They are. Of course they are. Uh, let's go to the next caller. All right, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Yeah, this is Herbert calling from Philadelphia. Herbert, how you doing? Good. I've, I'm learning tax position. Um, also, and uh, I've been involved in trying to expose uh, the United States government's attack on physicians of color um, who prescribe controlled substances or treat uh, colored patients, um, black, brown, and, uh, you know, they, it has gotten real bad in this country because there are very few physicians, um, you know, who were able to get into medical school in, you know, the 1980s, 1990s. Um, it was a different time. And now, uh, the, the ones that succeeded, uh, are being marginalized or disenfranchised. Uh, through loss of licensure or uh, uh, incarceration. Uh, and it's there's over 2,000 physicians that have been arrested uh, nationwide. And so I wanted to call and uh, let the let your audience know that this has become a huge problem um, in the United States. And we need, uh, you know, the average uh, community and the, the grassroots community's help in... Uh, creating awareness and addressing the issue. Won't the abortion ruling create even more danger for medical personnel, especially doctors? True. Yes. Very true. Um, they're talking. Oh, my oh bad. shoot. Uh, my bad. I do apologize. We have another caller on the line. Go ahead, caller. You're on. Damn it. I know, right? <laughs> Hello. No, hey. Yeah. Can you hear me? Yes, we can. So, Rob, man, let me tell you about my friend's friends, Dr. Joe. They had the DEA go in and shut him down and not because he's in addictive medicine and all that stuff with them opioids and all that. The DEA several years ago and came in and raided his house and all this because he had records. They say he's supposed to have records where he's at and came and raided, tried to shut him down. I had to save the brother. He's from Tampa, a great doctor, one of the top doctors that, uh, Addicted medicine worked on the Indian reservation, kept alcoholism and all that. And I'm telling you, man, y'all just not finding out. This thing going on for decades, mm. and they used that against black doctors, especially one that were dealing with. But this thing was not to try to prescribe, but to get to the underlying reason for addiction and stuff like that. And so I'm right. just telling you, y'all on the point now. But we had a I, my friend, I had to say it legally from the DEA and everybody else because they have to be registered with the DEA and all that when they prescribing that. So I got a personal friend of a doctor friend of mine, Dr. Gray from Tampa, Florida, with the great school with Van Yes, sir. Tampa. Yes, sir. So yes, I just sir. want to tell you, man, I appreciate the show, Walt. Hey, man, no doubt. No doubt, no doubt. You know, Joe, I knew Dr. Gray and um, good, excellent man, excellent man. Yeah. And, and we, a lot of brothers have lo and sisters have lost Credibility and stuff like that because of these these silly assertions and, and accusations that were made. Uh, sure, pe did people make it bad for other folks? Sure, they did. Of course, they did. But you know, they fail. You know, you can't be lazy with your investigations. You right. cannot be right. lazy with your investigations. It's just like they say in engineering. It's the same thing in engineering. You can't be lazy. You go from one from one monitoring wheel to another monitoring wheel. You're gonna get a different reading. You uh, can't be lazy in your investigations. But trust me, this has got to go on, and like I said, it's back to the appeals court to see if they can appeal uh, 
what was left questionable. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday four. Hello, is that me? Yes. I want to say that um, for us parents that have children with addiction issues, there's help. I go to Naranon meeting, not Alanon for alcohol, but Naranon for narcotics. Mm-hmm. Please, parents, look it up. It gives you a new life. Yeah. It's called Naranon. Thank you. Naranon. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thank you. We appreciate that information. 813-239-9663. We're in the last six minutes of the show. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. I would be on the Sunday Forum. What's up, fellas? What's up, What's up man? Hey, man. Good show. Excellent. I just want to drop my little two cents in because I told you guys before about uh, there was a couple of things that I and that last guy that was calling the Caucasian guy, he's the old white guy. You stop uh, calling the colors and we won't have the racism, but. Look, mm-hmm. he was on point about some things that's happening. I experienced this myself going to the VA hospital. This actually happened. There was a black doctor in the ER, and there was no help in the ER for her. Oh, she man. was by herself doing everything, take your blood. I was like, hey, what's going on here? She said, I don't know. All the people just fell. So I reported that to them. They didn't care, and I never saw her again. Wow. wow. That's the VA. Yeah. So, so, wow. so, yeah, and, and so... Not saying that. Afterwards, I started seeing uh, law enforcement inside where you go and see the do- uh, not the doctor, but where you check in. So they're monitoring people coming in, who they are, you know, etc. So a lot of this stuff comes from that. If you got people in there saying y'all got they got too many representatives for you know that color, we need to get them out, weed them out. Who you think doing that? They oversight on that now. So we need oversight on everything. Personally, I'm just telling you on all issues because (laughs) they're doing it under the table, in the dark, behind the doors. And when you sleeping at night, they coming up these old plans to destroy people who are good, humble, or wholehearted people in this country, man. I can't stand that kind of stuff. I can't stand to see that. Don't be trying to play me like I could just uh, let it happen to that person. It's okay. It ain't you. Don't worry about it. Nah, it's going to be me next if I let you do them like that. Thank you. Yeah, it looks like we got a bad connection on that line. Thank but, uh, you, good call, Ron. Good Thank point. you. Very good point. And, and, and he's right about that. He's absolutely right. And I hope people are listening to what's being said here because everybody has pointed out the issue of um, an, an oppression. This is oppression, right? Mm-hmm. The, the the ability to, to medicate appropriately mm-hmm. is one uh, because there's a need. But then the other part of that is the the people who are qualified to be able to dispense appropriately and prescribe appropriately are being taken away from us. You understand? When they are taken away from us, then that means we are not getting the proper medications. We are not getting the proper physical treatments. We're not getting all those things that we're supposed to get if they're here versus... Versus if they're not. And they're taking that away from us. Forcing people to not be able to get to the doctor or do follow-ups and so forth because it's so far away. We we, we have these disparities for a reason. And transportation is expensive as well, too. Oh, now, if you're taking animals, you're, you're through. Go ahead, caller. You're on the Sunday Forum. Caller. Can you hear us? Go ahead, Doc. Look like you got yep. the last word. You got the last word, Doc. Well, as I said, I think that what people need to understand is, again, this is a case that's what's happening where we have doctors who are treating intractable pain, cancer pain, pain suffering from sickle cell, people from from uh, uh, suffering from severe injury, and they are uh, treating these people with dignity and respect and prescribing what the government did in these cases was describe the fictitious guidelines set forth by the CDC of a 90 morphine, a morphine milligram equivalent, which is a unscientific guideline, which has nothing. And these are FDA medications being described. And what the DEA has been able to do, and this, remember, in this, what this court said strategically, there's a scienter clause. In nine forty, meaning that you have to have some sort of guilty mind and mistrust 
uh, whatever, knowingly and intentionally illegally prescribe uh, give these medications for somebody to get high or to abuse. In fact, what these doc all these doctors have been demonstrating doing is treating patients for pain and chronic pain. And the DEA and the Drug Enforcement Agent was able to criminalize these criminalize the medical procedures and the and the and the United States Supreme Court in a nine zip decision said stop enough is enough. Right, so you have to prove it. The burden is on the government to prove. Thank you. Overreach. Massive government overreach. Yeah. Well, this, this is, you know, this is where we are. Yep. This is where we are. Some and victories and some setbacks, but yeah. <laughs> the right. fight goes on. But this is what this is what it looks like to fight. Yeah. And win. If mm. don't fight, if, if, if only don't fight, you won't win. And if you don't fight, you 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 forfeit all your rights, mm. your dignity to your enemy. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You, you conceded everything. And read your within the norms.com. Uh, yeah, you are now within the norms, man. Definitely. <laughs> listen, Dr. Norman Clements, everybody. Um, listen, a family one. Uh, very, very uh, important. Graduated from the University of Michigan, got a University of Florida. <laughs> hey, listen, thank you so much. We really appreciate yes, you being here with us, Doc. Um, thank you for joining us, everybody out there. Yes, sir. Um, we're glad to have you with us. Uh, and listen, folks, as always, from our voice to the radio waves, to the hearts and the minds of the people, we love you. And there's absolutely nothing you can do about it here on the Sunday Forum. We want to enjoy, want you to enjoy your 4th of July weekend. Be safe. Be safe. Be around your loved ones. And hey, for God's sake, we want to see you next week on right. Sunday. If you want to write the Sunday Forum, you can write us at Facebook. Go online and share information with Sunday 4 at Facebook. Thank you. thank you so much, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. And thank you for listening. Thank you for joining us here on the Sunday Forum. Up next is the Post Martin Hoot Nanny following headlines from National Public Radio. This is WMNF Tampa.